Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. auspicious day. How do we pay attention and not hold on to stories? What is actually compassion? There's this thing very popular now called self-compassion, which I want to start a campaign against. (laughs) Because it's so much of our times where things are becoming so much about ourself. And we forget that compassion actually exists in every direction. And for the reason to remember those who have died is to realize like, oh, right, other people matter. It's not just about my experience and my feelings. Oh, but how do my thoughts, words, and actions impact other people? And how have I been formed by other people? Mostly we've been formed by 40,000 years of genetic changes. But we tend to reduce our life and think about my life. Where does that begin and end? My feelings. We give ourselves so little. And it's not to say that our experiences aren't also important, but we tend to give them too much importance. And forget that there's a lot of things that are true. not just what we're feeling and thinking, which is miraculous. Maybe some of you have gotten caught in your thoughts and feelings before, or what you thought was true, and forget about the whole, and actually how we're all just responsible for the whole whether we like it or not. Today is the, the teaching is really from the great Bodhisattva Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. 
great Jewish bodhisattva. It's one of my favorite things that he wrote. A human being is part of the whole. Called by us, universe. A part limited in time and space. One experiences themselves, their thoughts and feelings, as something separate from the rest. A kind of optical delusion. of their consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. There's nothing really more to say. entrenched in a story about someone else and been really sure and maybe talked to other people about how it's really true, gathered your allies. It's still so small. How do we widen the circle of compassion to include those we don't agree with? For me, compassion is not real if it doesn't include the people we don't agree with. And to me, that's why it makes it so challenging. How do you do that? To me, it's like, how do each of us think about where our practice edge is? Where is the place that you feel like the land of compassion ends? Right. I'll take this half. I'll take this group. This side of the room feels a little more, I don't know, attentive. So I'll take this group. I don't know about this group. But the amazing thing is we're doing that all the time. And we often don't even really know those people. Mostly it's just like complete stories about all the people we wildly disagree with. And 
mostly because we're caught. I know I get caught in that. When I want to feel a certain way, and if you don't allow me to feel the way I want to feel, then screw you. I think I'm the only one who's had that experience. In the ninth century in China, this is, there's a wonderful story about these wise seven sisters. And they planned a trip, a spring break trip instead of Boca Raton or, or Fort Lauderdale. One of them said, sisters, instead of going to the park to enjoy the spring flowers, let's go together to the charnel grounds. <laughs> you know, as you might suggest. Fort Lauderdale, Charnel Grounds. <laughs> it's so playful. I love, you know, the humor and joy of the tradition. The other sister said, well, that place is full of decaying, chopped up corpses. <laughs> What's so good about visiting that? Fair enough question. And the first sister said, let's just go. Very good things could happen there. I love this attitude. Like thinking about the places that nobody wants to go. And all it takes is one person in a group to say, come on or to like think about where you get f afraid or where you feel like your land of compassion ends. And to me, there's the importance of Sangha, like we can encourage each other, like, come on, let's step up together here. Enough of our habits of like, ugh, I don't like that. Getting caught in our preferences, that's not comfortable. I don't like it. Who cares? Mm. We care so much. So she says, let's just go. Good things are going to happen there in the chopped up corpse area. So when they arrived, one of them pointed to a corpse and said, there's the person's body, but where have they gone? Fair question. For those of you who have been with someone that you care for when they've died, it's really a striking thing. Like suddenly there's just like a body there and like they're gone. What, said another sister? 
What did you say? Then all, sis then all seven sisters were immediately enlightened. So she's responding to, there's a person's body, but where have they gone? And one says, what, what? Often, many spiritual traditions will say, well, where they are now is in this area or that area. But this is a truly Zen story. And it just says, what, what? Because where else could they be than here? So all sisters got it, they're like, bam. Indra, the lord of the gods, was so moved by their awakening, showered flowers over all of them. He offered them whatever they needed for the rest of their lives. You'd think that would be like an amazing, most of us would say like a yacht or whatever. <laughs> it's like that amazing research around people who win the lottery actually end up like more depressed than ever. High incidence of suicide because they supposedly get everything that they could have. So Indra, the lord of the gods, is offering anything you want for the rest of your life. One of the sisters replied to the Lord of the Gods, and she said, we already have everything. But please do give us a tree without roots. Some land without light or shade. And a mountain valley where a shout does not echo. Indra paused for a moment. And he said, ask anything else, holy ladies, and I'll be gladly provide that. But I don't have the thing you're asking for. So like even Indra doesn't get it. And the one sister says, well, if you don't have them, how can you help others liberate themselves? At this, Indra decided, I better get some help. <laughs> and he said, let's go meet the Buddha. And when the Buddha learned why they had come, he said, as far as that's concerned, Indra, None of these had the slightest clue either. Only a great bodhisattva understands this matter of needing nothing, really allowing whatever is here to be complete. 
this heartbreak, whatever it is. Like I'm feeling this morning a lot of tenderness right now from my mother. So whatever that is, can we be with whatever it is? And allow that to speak, just to be with what's real, instead of dragging around our bullshit everywhere and throwing it onto everybody else. Anyone ever do that? few of you. The rest of you <laughs> are just in the moment all the time. Mm -hmm. Completely fresh and new. So what is it that these amazing sisters are pointing to? They're trying to teach the Lord of the gods. This, what, this teaching that they're pointing to is actually comes from the Blue Cliff Record, and which is a book of koans. And it's the 18th case called The National Teacher Chung's Seamless Monument. <coughs> Emperor Su Tsung asked the national teacher, Wei Chung, after you die, what will you need? And the national teacher said, oh, just build a seamless monument for me. <laughs> the emperor said, please tell me, okay. So I, what would the monument look like? The national teacher was just silent for a long time. And then he asked, do you understand? The emperor said, I do not understand. The national teacher said, I have a disciple to whom I have transmitted the teachings, Tan Yun, who is very well versed in this matter. Please summon him and ask him about it. And the national teacher died. The emperor summoned his disciple to ask him what the meaning, because he wants to build this seamless monument for his teacher. And he said, South, this is the instruction to build it. It's south of Tsang, north of Tan. Within, there's gold enough for a nation. Beneath the shadowless tree, the community ferry boat. Within the crystal palace, there is no one who knows. So that was the instructions for building this monument. <clears throat> but to me, what these stories are pointing to is about what compassion really is. 
for me, our needs and our desires and our, what we want to be happening. Like I wish that my mother didn't have cancer. So what? It actually doesn't matter. Because the reality is she does. And the reality is it's now worse than they thought it was. And so how do you be with the tremble of whatever is and be intimate with that? How do you not turn away from reality? To me, is just to feel fully whatever it is, whatever is real. Instead of dragging around our bullshit. But actually feel like, wow. And it was surprising to actually feel what I was feeling. How delightful to feel sorrow, if that's what's arising. Whatever it is. And to me, compassion, and like what Einstein is pointing to, is what widens out the circle, includes everything. And like those sisters, sometimes we have to like put our face into the reality that life does not continue. Like we have to visit the charnel ground and like put our nose to the corpse to realize like what the hell are we doing? How am I functioning in my life? What's this all about? I know for me, those moments have been incredibly important. To me, it's also why sitting is so important. So like really learning how to be intimate with what is here so that I can function as compassionately as I can be. So that I can give and receive equally. tender I think so much about our lineage like all these people for a long time a little smidgen of time compared to homo sapiens but like a long time who have dedicated their lives to this practice and that's why we're all in this room. It's so crazy if you can really take it in. Amazing. Like these different people in India, China, Japan, all these people, at least 88 generations have allowed us to be here. In contemporary kind of more wellness language, people talk about gratitude practice. 
being grateful. I think of it as devotion to lineage, but you know, maybe they're the same thing. But to me, like the reflection for today, which is realizing compassion includes everyone and all beings is a place of practice. So even the people who have harmed me, the people who have harmed you, it includes them. Because we wouldn't be sitting in this room without all those people. And that is really challenging. And to me, that's why we need each other and why sangha is so important, teachers are so important. Because left to our own devices, we'll just be aversive and just do our own thing and stay stuck in our story. <clears throat> but learning to be around others who are like, hey, you're a little stuck in that story. What could be fresh right now? Kind of like thinking that we're about to get water when we're just holding a cup. Like we think we're already in the next thing as opposed to like holding a cup on our way to get water. It's so poignant to like just embrace actually where we are instead of where we're about to. To me, part of widening the circle of compassion is to actually be more intimate with every place that we are. And to never be good at it, because that's hopeless. But to be willing to keep falling down and acting like a jerk and coming back. And just taking responsibility and be able to say, I'm sorry begin again, at least for a life.